My name is Sean Sears. I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. Thanks for being a part of our services this weekend. Whether you're in person or online, uh, it's a big deal to us that, that you're here uh, with us. So, so thanks. I wanted to ask right off the top, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten from a parent or a parent figure in your life? Like what's, what's the best thing they've ever told you? Something that they told you way back then that you can still remember now and it still shapes the things that you do. Like I had to think about it because I wanted to come up with something really good and I didn't have to think too long before I came up with this piece of advice. And it's super simple. It's don't lie. Don't ever lie. Like it's the number one rule of being a kid. Do not lie. You would think it'd be an easy thing to do, but it's not. It's, it's incredibly, it's incredibly difficult because when you do something wrong, there's a fear that creeps up in your heart and you, you instinctively want to cover up what you've, what you've done wrong. And so you're really tempted to lie about it. But when you do somehow, whoever's in charge of you always finds out not only about what you did wrong, but they always find out that you lied about it. So then you get in trouble for being bad, and then you also get in trouble for lying about being bad. So you get in twice as much trouble. If you, if you did bad and you were just honest about it, you'd get, you would get in trouble for what you did wrong, but it wouldn't be twice the amount of trouble. And I found that even as an adult, uh, I struggle with that. Like I'll, I'll do something, I'll make a mistake, and it, that's something that'll make me look bad or maybe be embarrassed about. And then my first instinct is to try, try to cover it up. But I, I remember what my dad said, like, don't, don't lie. Like, and, and I've experienced that even other adults now, uh, that I'm not a child, even peers of mine, people that even work, uh, under me in the org chart, are more likely to give you more grace when you're honest about what you did wrong or about your mistake than if you try to cover it up. Um, my daughter was absolutely horrible at lying as a kid. Some of our uh, favorite memories that we share at Christmas or Thanksgiving, you know, whenever we're around the table together, uh, going over, you know, reminiscing over our memories as a child uh, was Lauren. She would do something and say, Lauren, did you do this? And she'd say, no. I didn't do that. Lauren, did you do that? No, I didn't. Do you promise you didn't do it? I promise I didn't do it. And then all you had to ask Lauren was this, are you lying right now? And then she'd go, yes, I'm lying. Like she didn't, she didn't know that she could keep lying. She didn't know that she could go, no, I'm not lying at all. For some reason, that was her kryptonite. Like all you had to do was ask her, Lauren, are you lying? And then she would, she would come out and tell you the truth. Um, great memories. Uh, the second thing my dad told me is that you could tell me anything you want on two conditions that you tell me in private. Uh, not in front of other people, and that you say it to me with respect. And then he said, I don't talk to you disrespectfully, and I don't want you to talk to me disrespectfully. And that that was brilliant. I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize it actually until uh, my own children became teenagers, how smart that was, because what he did was he took out my like rebellious bullet. Like I couldn't say, my dad's such a jerk. He doesn't understand me because my dad always left the back door open in our relationship that I could enter into and complained that like, I had permission to bring to him. I could say I didn't like him. I didn't like the rules. I, I, he even said, you can even tell me you hate me as long as you tell me with respect and in private. It was, it was brilliant. So I think those are the, probably the, the two smartest things my dad ever 
told me or taught me the pieces of advice that have affected me as an adult and even with my kids. Now, if you have a parent, uh, if you know a parent, or if you are a parent, you would probably agree that parenting is a tough job. Mark Twain, uh, he, he said this. He said, when a kid turns 13, put them in a barrel and nail the lid shut. Then feed them through the knothole. Like, that was his advice. When your kid turns 13, put them in a barrel, nail the lid shut, and push food in there through through the knothole. And then he said, uh, and when they turn 16, plug the knothole. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know about what Mark Twain thought about parenting teenagers. Now, I'm thankful to God that my experience wasn't the same as his when it comes to raising to raising kids. But I did say a couple of weeks ago here at Grace uh, that it does seem like every teenager goes through at least an 18-month period of their life, their adolescence, when they lose their stinking minds. I'm going to stand by that. Now, in this series, we're talking about parenting, uh, specifically Three things. Number one, uh, this the, the first week is that we're going to be talking about the priorities of a parent. Uh, the second thing that we're going to be talking about uh, in the second week is the unchanging principles of parenthood. And then the third thing we're going to be talking about in this series is what healthy discipline of a child looks like. Then some of you guys aren't parents. You're thinking, why in the world uh, should I stay engaged with this teaching series? Uh, and, I, and I would say that if you ever plan to be a parent, this is extremely important because you think that when I become a parent, I'm going to become the kind of person that a parent should be. But it's, it's I'm telling you from experience, the kind of person you are right now is the kind of person your kids will experience as a parent. There's no switch that we flip where we automatically become people of integrity where we automatically become healthy and our priorities or our emotions uh, become mature. Uh, so if you ever do want to become a good parent, let's say you don't want to become a parent, if you're ever going to mentor somebody else that's younger than you, I think this series is for you because you've got to be the kind of person now that you need you to be then. Because if you can't become that person now, I, I don't know that you ever that you ever will. I've, I've loved being a dad more than anything else in the entire world. Um, it, it makes me happy. Now, now somebody said, well, what about your marriage? What about your wife? I, I view being a, a dad as a package deal. So I don't know that I, in my head, I separate parenting from my marriage. I, maybe I'm just talking about the whole family package thing has been, has been, those are the happiest things about my life for me. I absolutely love it. One of my favorite memories is with Lauren and Ryan. I was, I told Billy Jane, I told you my, my marriage mixes with my role as a parent. Uh, I told mom she'd had a rough day and I said, hey, I'll take care of the younger kids uh, for you tonight. What I really wanted to do was prepare for my fantasy football draft. That's what I really wanted to do. And I figured if I volunteered to do something for her, then that would wipe me off the list of somebody who was available to do other things for her. So I, I drew a bath for Ryan and Lauren. They were really young at the time. I think Ryan was maybe one and a half maybe two, which means Lauren would have been five. 
like four or five years old at the time. I put them and I put in bubbles, that way they'd be distracted even longer. And then my computer was in the hallway just outside the bathroom. So I, I put them in the bathtub. Uh, Billy Jane's doing stuff downstairs, the bills or whatever, like she's the smart one in the family. Uh, so she's doing smart people stuff and I'm doing dumb people stuff. I'm on uh, RT Sports or ESPN. I'm looking at mock drafts and the rankings of quarterbacks and running backs and all this kind of stuff. And I'm every once in a while, you know, I'm pretending like I'm in there with the kids. Hey, make sure you get behind your ears or, you know, I'm saying things like a dad would say if he was washing the kids, but I wasn't actually in there washing kids. And eventually the truth came out because it gets really quiet, which should have been my hint that something was going on in the bathroom I needed to pay attention to. Uh, but here I am on the computer, it gets really quiet in the bathroom. And then Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, yes, dad, Ryan's pooping in the bathtub. <laughs> That's what she did really loud. And when she yelled, dad, like I was, it's, I was like in slow motion. I was like, no, you know, trying to get into the bathroom before. And then, Cause the very next thing out of Billy Jane's mouth was like, Sean, you said you were going to be in there taking care of the kids. I, I got in trouble. Anyway, that's, that's one of our favorite memories of, of parenthood. I absolutely love, love being a parent. And there's a lot of things that parents have to worry about. There's, um, man, there's keeping your kid alive. <laughs> it's diapers. It's, 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 it's a formula. You know, if you're not breastfeeding, pumping if you are so that your husband can still feed the kid during the middle of the night. It's getting enough rest. It's it's teaching your kids to walk, uh, to not put their things in the light socket. It's right. It's 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 buying clothes. It's changing clothes. It's taking them to to school. It's getting them prepared for school. It's teaching them how to spell, how to how to how to spell their own names, how to count to ten, how to count to twenty. Like these are just all the little things. It's 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 please and thank you. It's don't don't hit your brother. It's you know don't bite your sister. There's but what's the number one, like what's the one thing every parent is responsible for? Like what's the number one, if we've, if we've got a hundred things we have to do as a parent, what's the number one thing each one of us should be focused on? Is it education? Is it uh, a healthy work ethic? Is it to teach them financial freedom before they get out of the house uh, to get a job, uh, to be emotionally healthy? Uh, there's there's a pastor um, at, in Oklahoma. We actually got this whole teaching series uh, from them. And uh, he, he said this. He said, a Christian parent's priority is to gradually transfer a child's dependence away from the parents until their dependence rests solely on God. Yeah, that's it. I've raised three kids now who have all become adults and I would say that of everything I've ever done for my kids or taught my kids, the number one job that I as a Christian dad had was to make sure that they became, that they transitioned their dependence off of me and were that dependent on their relationship with God. Like truthfully, if my kids became successful at anything, but lost their connection to God, I think as a Christian parent, I would have failed them. This is actually what God says is the number one priority of a parent. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one through two, one and two, it says this. These are the commands. And by the way, in 
Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses has gathered all of the people of Israel together, and he's reminded them of the covenant God had made them through the Ten Commandments. And in chapter 6, he says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Like, these are the things that God says is most important for you. You must obey them in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. And listen to this. And you and your children and your children's children and your grandchildren. Like, unless he was going to be ridiculous, he could have just added, and their children and their children and their children and their children must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Here's what I've learned as a parent in trying to teach my kids to love God and obey him with the rest of their entire lives is that my relationship with God has grown as I intentionally prioritized helping my own children develop their own relationship with God. Um, I'll give you a quick example. Garrett, teaching Garrett to pray every night. Garrett's my oldest kid. Um, since my children were small, I've always gone in and laid hands on their chest or their shoulder or their forehead and prayed over them uh, before they went to sleep at night. I, I've done that since they, the first night they came home from the hospital and uh, teaching them to pray. And at the beginning, I was doing most of the prayers or they were repeating after me. And early on, around four, three or four, I'm starting to teach them to now make their own prayer. Well, I don't know what to pray, they would often say. And so you, you're kind of giving them some prompts. Garrett's now seven, or actually he's six at the time. He's got a little sister, she's three, and he wants a little brother. And my wife and I have already decided we're not gonna have any more kids. And uh, so he says, Dad, I'd, can I have a little brother? Now, my answer is yes. Like, I I wanted a ton of kids. Billy Jane wanted to. God gave us a boy and a girl. So she said we were done. And uh, I said, hey, bud. Uh, I, he says, can I have a little brother? And I was like, that's not really up to me. And I didn't want to say it's your mom. Blame her. What I did say was, is why don't you talk to God about that? Why don't you make that your prayer? So he prayed this really cute prayer, Dear God, give me a baby brother. I mentioned it to Billy Jane, and she's like, I don't think so, <laughs> right? And then that was the end of it as far as my conversation with her. But he, every single night from then on, kept praying, Dear God, give me a baby brother. Dear God, give me... Like six months into this, I went to Billy Jane, and I was like, you're not going to believe this. She goes, what? I was like, every night, he's still praying for a baby brother. She goes, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> no lie. Like a month later... Billy Jane's pregnant. And I knew, like, you don't even, we don't need to go to the doctor. We're having a little boy. And she's like, well, how do you even know? I was like, because this baby is here because of Garrett. Um, because we didn't think that there was any way that she could have uh, gotten pregnant. And that's all I'm going to say about that, uh, right? But, um, but that kid prayed, man. And that's how we got Ryan. And to this day, Garrett still lets Ryan know you only exist because of me, right? But it was Garrett's confidence in God answering his prayer that truthfully reinforced my belief that God does hear us pray and God answers. Deuteronomy 6 tells us that there are two priorities for every parent, and that's what I want to spend the remaining time that we have together focused on. The two priorities that we have. 
in raising our kids to become followers of God. It answers the question, how do I as a parent transfer my faith to my kids? The first priority of every parent is that you first must love your God. You can't teach what you don't know. You can't give what you don't possess, right? Like I can't transfer something to my children that is not already a real thing about me. You've probably heard that children catch more from what you do than they learn from what you say. And that's true. I, I, I hate that it's true. <laughs> Um, but it is like my kids, I've never taught my kids my bad habits, but what's crazy is that my kids have some of my bad habits. Now, for their sake, I'm not going to tell you any of those. All I'm saying is they catch more from who you are than they learn from what you say. So if you genuinely do want to transfer your faith to your children, then you first must be a person of faith. This is why I think it's so important for those of you who are not parents to be a part of the teaching today. Because I think you have this unique opportunity to actually be the kind of person you would have wanted your parents to have been for you. But the truth is your parents were to you the kind of people they already were before they became parents. And that's what I'm trying to say. You're not going to automatically become this godly parent the day that you bring your child home from the hospital. You either are this kind of person or you aren't, and you've got the opportunity right now to be this. But for all of us who are parents, I'm like part of the struggle, part of the reason why we're having such a hard time with our kids is because this is a hard thing to say. Maybe they are picking up more from us than what we're saying, and we're uncomfortable with that. So I want the first thing that you focus on is not your kids and what they're doing or what they're learning or what they're saying. I think the first priority of every parent is that you first must be a person who absolutely loves God. And Deuteronomy 6 says this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 says, Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Now remember, verses 1 and 2, he says you and your children and your grandchildren and your grandchildren's children's grandchildren must observe these things. And when he unpacks what this means, he starts with you personally in your relationship with God by saying, you must love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All of your heart all of your soul, and all of your strength. Um, some of us have had vaccinations. Some of us have not. This isn't going to be a political talk on whether or not you should get a vaccination from, uh, from, for, from uh, COVID, COVID, right? Uh, but from what I understand, the way that vaccinations work, they inject a little bit of it in your bloodstream, to inoculate you from being affected by the whole thing. They give you just enough of it to not be infected by it. They give you a little, like, like, like snake venom, right? You know what snake venom is made of? It's actually made uh, like the antidote for snake venom. Sorry, the antidote for snake venom is actually made from snake venom. 
Like they give you just enough of it that it keeps you from being affected by any of it. And I'm wondering if our personal half-hearted focus on God is making our children immune to the faith that we've said is so important to us. Maybe the most dangerous thing you can do to your children is expose them to just a little bit of God. There are a lot of things for us to teach our kids, right? We've got to teach them uh, how to read, how to write. We've got to teach them uh, uh, how to do their homework. We've got to teach them to be nice to other kids in class. Uh, we want them to do good in sports. We want them to learn teamwork. So we sign them up for soccer as five-year-olds. We sign them up for t-ball as seven-year-olds. Uh, we get them involved at the Y in basketball in like third grade, fourth grade, like, right? Like we, we want our kids to know about these things. We, we help them figure out what their hobbies are. We want them to get a work ethic. As they get older, uh, we want our kids to go out and get a job. Before they're quite old enough to get a job uh, with my boys, I wanted them to start mowing grass at thir 13. Like I, I wanted them to learn the value of a dollar. Uh, when they turn 16 and a half, 17, when they were a senior, I wanted them to have a car. Not having a car as a senior seems to be almost like a form of child abuse, <laughs> at least from the way they act. Like these are the things. We want them to do good in school. We help them to be focused on their GPA so that they can get academic academic uh, assistance, uh, scholarships for college. Uh, we want them to be in AAU. We want them to be in summer ball. We want them to go to Cooperstown. Uh, we want them to be in band, travel band. We want them to be uh, in cheer. We, we There's a lot of things. Uh, what ends up happening from experience and by observation is by the time our kids are in middle school, our entire lives begin to revolve about around them and their interests. Um, I'm thinking specifically of a guy who and his wife who were very involved in our church when their children were really young. As their kids got older, it became very important for them, for their kids to become socially equipped. They wanted them to thrive uh, relationally in school. And their daughter made cheer and their, their sons made Pop Warner. And in an effort to make sure that their kids became socially uh, equipped for the real world. Um, they got their kids involved in these things. The problem is that these things were only on Sunday mornings. And um, these parents at the time, during the off season, they were in church, but during season, uh, they, they prioritized other things. What ended up happening is their lives began to revolve around their kids' extracurricular activities. And right now, like right now today, this entire family has walked away from God. Their children who were once uh, very involved in all of these kids' programs and were singing songs to God and were developing a relationship with God are now teenagers. And God, to the best of my knowledge, isn't a strong part of real, really their, their lives at, at all. Um, us prioritizing everything else above God, above his people and above his kingdom purposes has a tangible impact on the faith of our children as they grow older. But the opposite is true. Our continued focus on God 
the expression of worship with his family, the church, and his kingdom purposes and the world also has a tremendous impact on our kids. How important is your faith and the likelihood that your children will also become people of faith? According to a study that was done on this, 72% of kids will become active followers of Jesus if both of their parents were actively involved in their church. 15% of kids will be active, will actively, uh, 15% of kids will become active followers of Jesus if only their mom is active in church. It goes back up again. 55% of kids will become active followers of Jesus if only their dad is active in church. We've talked about that before. I want to take a quick break on that. And that's this, that kids learn their sense of community and the value of relationships from their mom, but they get their values from the father figure in their life. And only 6% of kids will become active followers of Jesus if neither parent is active in church. So parents... Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. It's easy to say, but if I were to shadow you for an entire week, I wonder what I would observe in your life. See, our kids see us when we're not at church. I don't see you when you're not at church. So if I see you here as a part of this service or you're engaging online with this service online right now, we get to see you and you're engaging and you're making a priority of God in this moment of your life. But I'm wondering if I were to watch the shows that you watch, if I were to be looking over your shoulder when you're online on your cell phone or the websites that you visit on your laptop or iPad, if I were to hear the conversations that you're having with your spouse or the things that you're talking about most often with your kids, I wonder if I would say that God is the one that you love most with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength. When you get that, when you're loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your second priority now becomes, as a parent, you must now lead your family. Deuteronomy chapter 6 Verse 6 says this, And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again and again and again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Do you get that? Like this is what, this is the priority of a parent. Number one, your priority is to love your God. As a parent, your number two priority is to lead your family. How do I do this? It's by what you're obsessed most about. Like some of us are always talking to our kids about their grades. And I think what God is saying here in the scripture is, your kids are learning from you that really their grades, their education is the thing that they should prioritize most because it's the thing that you're, you're checking on the most. So what Moses is saying here, I want you to put as much emphasis on your relationship with God and their relationship with God as you do their grades. Talk about God the same way you talk about their grades. When you're in the car taking them to school, when you're picking them up from school, when you lie down at night and go to bed, when you, when you wake up in the morning, when you're on the road, when you're in between TV shows and you're in a commercial, Talk to them about God, about things that you're praying over, things that are important to you, things that you've learned in the weekend teaching, something that you're learning right now today in this teaching. Talk about these things with your children because they catch more from the things that you do than they learn from the things that you say. Verse 8 says, tie them to your hands, wear them 
on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What does it mean to lead your family? It means to prioritize the right things. It's the job of the parent to keep the kid focused on what's most important. It's not the job of the parent to work around everything the kid feels is most important. King Edward VIII, and I'm going way back on this, said something about parenting in America. Now, King Edward VIII is Queen Elizabeth's grandfather. He died in 1936. I think it's 36. I'm going from memory here, and I didn't write it down in my notes. So it was before 1936, and we had this problem. Here's what he said. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. <laughs> that was the number one thing he said about America, is that our lives as parents revolve around the interests of our children. And I guess my question for you is this, are you proactively leading your children or are they leading you? Like you have to be intentional about this because if you're reactive, if you're not proactive in the way that you set up your family's schedule this week, you're going to be reactive to everything that's crowding the schedule seeking your children's attention. Godly parents, decide what is most important to your family now and arrange your lives accordingly. I'm not a perfect parent, but I do believe that I've been an intentional one. My children will tell you I've made mistakes along the way. I am impatient. I can be selfish. I can be more concerned with how things make me look, right? Like I'm being transparent to you and these things have affected uh, my role as a parent, but I've been very proactive as a parent. And I, I have an advantage and my wife shares this advantage in that we were both raised by parents who were also devoted followers of God. They were also intentional parents. They, they chose the values that we as a family would have, and they arranged our lives as children around those values. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few things that we prioritize, prioritized as a family, and I'm not saying that these are things that you should do, and if you're not doing these, you're not a good parent. What I'm saying is you need to decide what's most important to you as a parent and you need to proactively arrange your lives around these priorities. If you're not a parent yet, but you want to someday be a parent, or maybe you are an influence on a younger person, maybe you're even an official mentor in a younger person's life, I'm asking you to do the exact same things. Decide what's most important to you as a devoted follower of God, as somebody who loves God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. If that is true, what should your week look like? Decide now, plan your week accordingly, and then make everything else you're involved in fit around that. Here's some of the things that we've, we've done. Number one is that we prioritized devotions. Uh, we, oft, we, we bought a, a children's Bible. And every night around 7.30 before our youngest kid went to bed, I would read a story from the kid's story Bible. And then I would go around and I would ask the kids questions about the story we just read. I would say, I would say, Garrett, do you want a hard question, a medium question, or an easy question? 
easy, medium, or hard? And he would say, and then I would, I would ask him a question that if he was paying attention, it was an age-appropriate question for his level of attention span. I would do the same thing for Lauren. I would do the same thing for Ryan. As they got older, uh, I would ask them questions. What's your favorite Bible verse? What did you learn at youth group this week? We would talk about spiritual things and I would ask them questions about it. Or we would watch the, the Bible Project videos on, on YouTube uh, through our smart TV. We, you, you could do the same thing. And then what's the one thing you got from the, the Bible Project video? We, we had devotions together. I've already mentioned this, but I prayed out loud with each one of my children individually when I put them to bed every single night of their entire life. Uh, not every single, like, were there times I missed it? Yeah, like for, if I was traveling and there were times where they fell asleep before I made it up into the room because I was watching TV and, and then I forgot or, you know, whatever. Um, but it, it, it was the exception. It, it wasn't the rule. The advantage of this is that it's a comfortable thing for me to pray with my 26-year-old. In fact, my son was here a few weeks ago for the Mana New England 500 bike ride, 500-mile bike ride. It was a fundraiser that they did. And Garrett uh, was was over, and he was about to leave to go pick up everybody else. And I said, "Hey, man, let's pray." And I, you know, dapped him up like this. And when I dapped him up, he instinctually put his head on my shoulder, and I put my head on his shoulder, and I prayed with my twenty six year old son. And some of you guys, that the idea that you would pray like intimately like that with your adult kids might say, like, I don't know if I could do that now. And and I, I get that. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. What I'm saying is that there's things that you can do right now if your kids are small that benefit you when, you, when you're my age. If you're a single person or, or you don't have kids yet, get you when, when a friend says, hey, man, would you pray for me? Like, right then, stop and say, well, well, let's pray. Like, there's things that you can begin doing now that are going to shape the kind of parent, the kind of mentor that you want to be later. We, we we chose to eat meals at a table three times a week. And I know that that sounds, you're like only three times, but believe it or not, eating at a table in chairs together without the TV three times a week, was <laughs> even that was difficult. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to have intentional conversations around the meal together. It's just one of the things that we did. I asked the kids to tell me the Bible verse that they were learning in Grace Kids on the way home from, from church. And then that was one of the things. So I prayed with the kids every night. My wife would go over their Bible verses with them every night. Uh, we also had a num- rule that there were no Sunday morning sports ever. Why? Because God's more important than basketball. My son made a travel team and was good enough to start on that travel team. I know he was because when he was a high schooler, he made the high school team and Stoughton and other kids that were starters on the travel team tried out and didn't. So I know he was better than them, but I also agree with the coach. Like we made a conscious decision that my son would not be a starter in travel basketball because he was going to miss half of the games because they started before our first service on Sundays. Now, an advantage of Grace Church now is that this service is available online, I think on Saturday nights at eight o'clock, and we do have a Saturday night service, so that makes it more convenient for some of the families, which is great. My point is, is that even on vacations as a church family, as a, as a family, we went to church is what we did. My kids, as they got older, uh, went to youth group. When they got jobs, uh, I taught them to tithe. Like that was, that was a no brainer. Like if they mowed grass and you got 15 bucks, how much of that belongs to God? Like I taught my kids to put God first in their money from the time that they were children. And if you can put God first in your money, everything else is easier to put. Like that's the hardest thing it seems for us as adults 
to do in our relationship with God. So if I could teach my kids to do the hardest thing as a kid, it would be easier for them to do the other difficult things as an adult. So that's one of the things, if, if you're if you're not a parent, like these are things that you can begin doing even now so that you can be the kind of parent you want to be. Taught my kids to say please and thank you. I love you is the last thing that we always say to each other before we go anywhere. Because we don't want the heart, we don't, even if we're not getting along, the last thing that we say before we get off the phone, the last thing we say before we go to bed, the last thing they said before they would go to school, I would say, I love you. And they would say, love you too. Like we, we, we had to say that to each other. Um, and, and the other thing we did, you always have to go pee before you get in the car for a trip. That's, that's probably the most important important thing because if we get half hour down the road and you got to go to the bathroom man I'm all I'm all oh woo lose my religion when when that happens those are just some of the things what what are the things that you can begin doing now that establish a priority of God being the one that you love with all of your heart all of your soul and all of your strength now don't be more concerned with your kids happiness than you are your kids holiness Proverbs chapter 22, verse six says, direct your children onto the right path and when they are older, they'll not leave it. This word direct comes from a Hebrew word called uh, kanak, is the word kanak, is the word. And and the word actually means the, the, the roof of your mouth, your palate. And the idea was that a midwife, when a baby was born, would stick her finger in this paste and, and put it on the roof of a kid's mouth uh, as a baby. And that would get the baby to... Start doing that so that they would they would take to nurse they would initiate the kid's desire uh, to nurse. So when Proverbs says direct your children onto the right path, it's it's our job as parents to initiate their hunger, their desire for the things of of God. Uh, lead your kid. Proverbs give gives us a whole lot of things we as parents could focus on. I'll just give you a few. Chapter three says we need to teach our kids to manage God's money, that we need to teach them the value of selecting good friends, to, to watch their words, to, to be responsible, uh, to guard their hearts and their minds by the things that they allow to influence them, uh, to be generous, to fear God. I mean, read the book of Proverbs. Like there's the whole book of Proverbs was Solomon writing to his son. These are the things I want you to remember that your mother and your father thought was most important. Now, Grace Church, I'm thankful, does a fantastic job uh, teaching kids about the Lord and our Grace Kids ministry programming every single week. But biblically, it's not the church's job to teach the kids to follow Jesus. It's your job. Our job is to play the assist man, right? Like we might be the point, point guard, our job is to pass the ball to you. Your job is to shoot your shot as a parent. That's, that's our job. Now, we're going to pray in just a minute. If you're not a parent, I want to ask you this. Are you right now leading your friends or are your friends leading you? If I were to follow you as a single person or as a, a, a couple, and but you don't have kids, would I be able to tell from the things that are in your life right now that you love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength? Are you modeling the values of somebody who loves God in every area of their life or not? If you are a parent, do you put more work into leading your career than you do in leading your family? What would your children say is the most important thing to you? Some of you just have enough of God to make you immune to any actual life change because of your relationship with God. So maybe your prayer 
is to love God with all of who you are as a person. Maybe, honestly, you just need to call on Jesus to become a part of your life. I don't know what your prayer should be. I just hope that by now you're thinking of an area of your life that needs to be changed. So if you would, bow your head with me and we'll pray. God, I thank you for loving us in spite of any of the stuff we've done up until this point. God, you you never give up. Like a good parent, you... You, you, you're patient, you forgive, you restore, you reconcile us. God, for those of us who don't have you as our parent, we're spiritually disconnected. We're outside of the family, the household of faith. God, I pray that for those of us who understand that Jesus did die on the cross and raised from the dead as a payment for our sins that we would right now call on you to forgive us and save us. Maybe that's your prayer. God, forgive me and save me from my sins. Bring me into your family also. Maybe you need to reprioritize a different friend group. Maybe you just need to take a more proactive role in the things that you and your friends are doing right now. Maybe it's a dating relationship that you're involved in that doesn't honor God that needs to be rearranged, reprioritized. Maybe you need to take a more proactive role in where this relationship is going. I'll give you a chance to pray about that. Maybe you need to have a serious talk with your spouse about what you're modeling for your children. And maybe you should be again praying right now, God, I pray that this conversation with my spouse goes good. Maybe you just need to make God a bigger part of your week. That's your prayer. God, show me an area of my life that right now needs to change so that it can be an accurate statement when I say, I love you with all of my heart, my soul, and my strength. This is the prayer that we ask in Jesus' name, and we all say together, amen.